Hello, this is Chris. And this is Andrew, and welcome to another episode of Video Games Cover to Cover and our coverage of the Final Fantasy VII Remake. This is uh, episode 54. I have completely lost count of the number of episodes of for FF7 specifically, but it's, it's, it's a decent number. I promise we'll get a handle on it before next time. Don't make promises. <laughs> we All we can do is try. Okay. I'm willing to accept that I, that we will try to get a handle on it, but we definitely do not promise that we will. I mean, yeah, that's good, because realistically, I'm probably not going to do it. So, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, so we're well into the Shinra building at this point, and making our way towards the finale of the game. This is chapter 16, so there's still two chapters left, which is interesting. We are getting pretty close to going in and rescuing Aerith at this point, because we talked to the mayor, got the card from him. Now we get to to move on towards part 10. the... Oh, okay, part 10. Which I think we're right around Final Fantasy ten two. Final Fantasy ten two was 10 parts, so we're probably going to hit just a little beyond yeah. it. So we had just finished talking to the mayor, got a card, and now we're getting ready to head towards the informant to get more information about this big plan because apparently the rest of avalanche is doing a thing tonight also which i mean what a coincidence because when you first get there and the mayor introduces himself to you he's under the assumption that you already know who he is and he's like uh well avalanche is here tonight so what's going on and then we're basically like, we're here to get Aerith. He's like, I don't really care what you do as long as it hurts Shinra. I'm like, okay, cool. Which is a fair which is a fair attitude at this point. Although if I was him and regular Avalanche was gonna come in and dismantle Shinra from the inside, I'd kind of be like, um, given that I've already divulged who I am in a pretty big way, I really kind of need you guys to be successful with whatever it is you're doing. Outside of saving Aerith, if you could just, you know, I don't know, just deal with Shinra as a whole while you're already here, that would be great. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's really surprised. He's like, wait, you mean you're not here to assassinate President Shinra? I mean, Like, no. if we get around to it, sure. But, I mean, our main purpose for being here is to rescue Aerith. Okay, but if you could get around to the whole assassinate the president thing, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I kind of really need you to do that. I'm really sticking my neck out here. I'm going to need you to help out. Now, Andrew, when we get to the section where you're trying to find the Shinra person, where you're just going around going, Mayor? 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 Uh, mayor? Uh, <laughs> mayor? 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 Hey, everyone's like, what are you talking about? What? Like, wh what? Like, yeah, just mayor. Mayor, mayor. Mayor, 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 mayor. Mayor. As who, if... Who cares about the mayor? My favorite was when you talked to the cafeteria lady and her response is, Mayo? No, we don't have any of that. Well, that's actually, this weapon shop is where you can buy the final weapon, if I remember correctly. Can't, don't you get the try, the, the two? I thought it was in a crate. I thought, I didn't think you bought any of the last weapons. Other than the one, I guess, Barrett's that you buy from the guy. I thought you bought Cloud. Regardless, I just thought that little bit was, maybe, I don't remember exactly where you get it. I didn't think you got it until chapter 17, honestly. Really? I, I'm pretty sure and you you can get it here. Maybe, maybe you can. I I don't remember. What I do know is when you finally find the guy, he says that the mayor's great and everything, and you figure out who he is. 
And then he's like, uh, I need to see if you're up to snuff, bro. So it's another combat arena challenge. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I just killed a whole bunch of dudes on my way up here. Uh, oh wait, I'm sorry, PG-13, I knocked them all out and broke a bunch of robots. Right. And I'm like, dude, it, it's kind of cool that there is something here. It, it's like more arena stuff for you to do. But then at the exact same time, it's like, I'm seriously at the end game. Why are you giving me side stuff to do? Because there's seriously like seven or eight things on that list. And of course, I'm not going to move on until I do them. And that just really annoyed the crap out of me. Because I'm like, I really don't want to be doing this right now, but I have to do it. I feel like I have to just because. And then Chadley also shows up. I mean, surprise. I mean, he works for Shinra. Well, and everybody reacts like, what are you doing here? He's like, I work for Shinra. I told you that. I don't know how many times I've had to tell you this. And then while he's standing there, he's like, go kill Shinra. Chadley. I feel like at this point, that's just something that everybody in the executive suite has said at one point or another. So everybody's just like, yeah, sure. And it goes back back to lunch. Everybody's just like, yeah, get Shinra. Let's take him down from the inside. All while realizing the entire time that, yeah, no one's going to do that. It's it's not yeah. going to matter. So let me just say, oh, yeah, I'm totally on your side. I really just want to get what I want. And I really don't want to work with that other soldier guy because I'm pretty sure if I talk to him about these materia, he's just going to stab me. So Cloud's really my only shot. Let me just, you know, tell him that I'm on his side or whatever. I really just want to do my job here. <laughs> like Avalanche or not, I this just needs to get done and I'm not the guy to do it. I just I, I just have, happen to think I'm thinking more along the lines of like, you know, everybody has that day where you come into work and everything sucks and you're just like, y you know what? Screw this place. I hope so. I hope that this place goes out of business. And they're just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so once you do all that, what, what do you say? The guy says, oh, yeah, you're you're good to go. Then you 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 get the information updated. So that way you can go to the laboratory. I, I, I will say, though, real quick, this kind of drove home something that we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think, where how relatively few enemies there actually are because you basically go through all of them in this Shinra simulator. Yeah. And, the, and even some of them are like, this is a simulation of fighting against Wutai. And it's like, gosh, I would have thought Wutai would have had slightly different troops than the mechs that you've been throwing at us the entire game. Yep. I don't know if you noticed this in the championship, but in the fight Shinra Cup, even in Corneo's section, the very end of it isn't even... Basically, there's a bunch of people that aren't even Shinra. And I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, okay, this is the fight Shinra Cup, and there's nobody from Shinra except for a few guys, and then the Huntsman comes back twice in one round, and I'm sitting there like... it. it it hasn't been a big deal throughout the entire game because you're mostly just fighting a lot of the same guys and there's enough general monsters thrown in there that it's not really a big deal. I mean, I wouldn't but, expect Shinra to have a whole bunch of like elite soldiers or whatever, but in the final section of the game, you actually fight soldiers and stuff. Why wouldn't there be soldiers in the Corneo Cup? Yeah, and also just, again, the, the fact that 
there's so much arena and the arena is basically like the only way you can do any sort of level grinding or anything. So like, but it is interesting because there's what, like three different arenas you can participate in. I guess, I guess maybe just the two regardless, but there's multiple, they, they, they went to the effort of putting in multiple arenas with multiple fights. And at that point, it really just drives home how few enemies there are. Cause it's like, I know I've seen all of these yet again. Like maybe don't, put as much emphasis on how few enemy types there are by having us repeatedly fight them all in a row. Yeah, I, I, I think that kind of was somewhat of a detriment to the game in general, because when it's all right there, it's kind of like, oh, there really wasn't a whole lot of unique enemies. Yeah, because you're right, because when you space it out across multiple things, you know, multiple chapters and stuff, it doesn't feel that bad. But yeah, when it when it like puts them all there, you're like, I know this is all the enemies, because if you had more, you definitely wouldn't just be repeating these right now, specifically for that reason. So this is really it. And I I mean, to, to a lesser degree, I kind of get it, because there's we're looking at a subsection of an entire game as a whole. And I think you said the original game was what, like 100 hours or something? Oh, no. I mean, like... To beat it, if you just went through it, it would probably be in the range of like 40 to 50, just like Final Fantasy X, but just like when you add in all the side stuff. Well, that's what stuff. I'm saying. When you add in the side stuff, it hits about probably like 100 hours. Eh, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Estimated. If that's not it, that's not it. I don't really care. I mean, I, I, I would say I, I feel like the answer is around 80 because I think I did it once. But I mean, point is, you know, it's it's not short. but And so, so this game, it, it had a lot of those enemies but a lot of the unique enemies were boss characters. If they if they did like a boss rush or something where they're slightly less powerful, but they all kind of show up in the arena, that would be different because that would showcase a lot of the different boss types. Because a lot of the mechs, you fight once and then they never, ever come up again. Why isn't the airbuster in one of the arenas? Why isn't the crab thing or the scorpion thing ever in any of the arenas? You'd think yeah. if those are monster types, they could change them a little bit or, or, or make them, you know, scale appropriately for a challenge like that. So I actually, I, I was curious, I wanted to look. So a completionist run of Final Fantasy VII is estimated at 86 hours, but... A completionist run of the remake is estimated at 80 hours, so they're basically essentially the same length. That's not at all true, because I can't think of a single thing that I haven't done in this game, with the exception of playing it on hard. If they're Which has a bunch of... which does have extra stuff in it, though. But if they're including... But extra stuff... What extra stuff is in hard that isn't in easy? There's a bunch of, like, collectible, like, icons, or, uh documents and stuff that you can pick up. I tried it out a little bit. That is extra, and it specifically says they're only available in hard mode. So basically just a gigantic fetch, fetch quest. Yeah, but I mean, completion is what counts as, you know, 100%ing the game, so... Well, I understand that, but something like that didn't even exist in the original Final Fantasy VII, so I'm not even talking about that in a sense of beating hard, okay. to me, is well more well, optional. It, it, if we back down from completionist to, because the site I look at has three categories, just beating the main story, main story plus extras, and completionist. So if we drop down to main story plus extras, the remake is at 42 hours, and 
the original is at 52 hours, so it's still not that much long. I mean, it's another 10 hours, but like that is not that much more content for an equivalent run. I don't think you're understanding me. From a completionist perspective, I mean just general side quests, not randomly picking up documents. I don't right, and that's why I switched to the other one, which was like 42 versus 52. But then you said that the original changes from 80 as well. In the it original, does. what I'm saying... So what you're saying is I should count the completionist of the original, but not the completionist of the remake. Not necessarily. Hard, easy, and normal didn't even exist in the original game. So you're right. the f- yes, completing no everything on normal, to me, all the side quests that are available is the equivalent of the original game is what I'm getting at. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Going through and finding documents or whatever, none of that even ex- Fetch quests like that didn't even exist at the time. And while that's, I agree that that would be considered completionist, you're not experiencing any more new game by just picking up documents. That's well, what apparently I'm they do change some of the bosses and stuff, right? Because didn't you say like Hell House is very different? Yes. But what I'm saying is, so if you, if you go through hard and you basically play the entire game again, then why wouldn't you do the same thing for the original? It basically going through hard mode after you unlock normal, is playing the entire game again with seeing maybe bosses are a little are, are definitely much harder and you pick up documents. So if you played the original game twice, wouldn't that be 160 hours? So that's what I was saying. So you're saying count the completionist score versus against the main plus extra score of the remake and compare it that way. That that would that's kind of what I'm getting at because that makes more sense to me. Well, I would need to figure out what they're defining as completionist versus that, but like regardless, all I know I mean, is I, I've done everything that I absolutely can do, and I'm sitting at around forty to fifty hours. Everything that yeah. I can do within the normal game, I've done, and I'm sitting at around fifty hours. I think what all I'm trying we got here because we are talking about enemies and stuff. All I'm saying is compare that to the original game. There was so much more to work with. There's so much more space. How realistically, how many different enemy types are they going to be able to work with in this game? Because how many enemy types showed up in the six hour section of the original game? Sure, but the six hour section of the original game wasn't being sold as the entire game either. I understand that, but what other enemy types would there even be? I don't know. I mean, they can make up anything. Well, I mean, my point is just like. I was just a little underwhelmed with that for the duration of an entire RPG. But the duration of an entire RPG, we're, we're sitting here talking about, you know, 40, 50 hours. If you're only playing normal and you do everything that you can do. Yeah. While I wish there was definitely other enemy types, excluding bosses from that, I feel like for 40, 50 hours, it, 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 it's not... I don't know. I guess I just don't think it's as underwhelming as you think it is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just thought that it, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. I, you're allowed to disagree with me. <laughs> I don't, that, that's just where I was coming from. I guess the only other thing I would say is like, when you're talking about like the completionist level stuff, very little of that is going to be fighting new enemies other than the, like one or two like secret bonus bosses. Almost all that's going to be crap. Like, getting a golden chocobo that takes forever. But regardless, yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe that goes back to the same thing as what we were talking about with 
you know, I was really disappointed that we didn't get to see more of Midgar because here we are in the Shinra building and there's not any more. I'm sure there's nothing going to be new now as far as like new sections of the city. And it just, it, I guess, feels like missed opportunities, I guess. Well, this falls I, under the same thing. We have two chapters left. And I know that this entire chapter is basically Bosch Rush. From, from the previous game, I, I, I just know that that's coming down the pipe. Because from here on out, essentially all we're going to do is fight bosses, at least from my perspective. But I don't know. I guess I, I, I just don't know. That, and that's why I'm a little disappointed that it either they didn't expand on Midgar or we didn't go outside of Midgar at all because I just don't feel like there was really much variety. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. It's just, and again, like th there was just a really good opportunity to get to see other sections of this city, but instead we just took the two sections that we already had seen and just made them bigger. From my perspective, it would have made more sense to see the plates and not yeah. the slums. Because if you look at Sector 7 and Sector 5, they might as well just be a direct copy and paste from one another. And there's essentially no difference. I mean, obviously, Wall Market is better, but I, I, I could barely tell you what the layout of Sector 7 was because you never, ever get to go back to it. But again, that's also... But I also, can tell you it looks an awful lot like Sector 5. But, but again, I guess that just kind of comes back to missed opportunities and stuff too because, like, they didn't have to look exactly the same. They just chose to make them that way. Even if they're both slums, it's not like every slum in existence looks exactly the same. They all have their own personality and stuff well, and, in the real and world. And that goes back to the frustration about the mysterious figures. Yeah. Because it almost seems like, well, you don't have an opportunity. Well, I will say, I mean, going up to the warehouse, all that was new. Seeing the plate in general was all new. It would have been cool if you could go anywhere but just Jesse's house. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, but yeah, you're, you basically only get to see on top of the plates in that part for all of like five minutes in the middle of the night because you go straight to her house do stuff inside, and then it immediately basically jump. You, you walk like 10 feet and it jumps you forward to the warehouse. And the only other place where you really get to see a bunch of plate action is in the very beginning of the game, where you're running around the plate trying to get back to the train. Which, again, that part was really, really fun. The part with Jesse was really, really fun. Why couldn't we experience those sections open world? And And, yeah. and that's really my complaint there. You know, I, I get that the enemies feel underwhelming. I just don't know what they would have done in a city element. I mean, we're the slum. You you have to assume that even if we were on the plates, the only people that we were going to fight is Shinra. Well, so I guess if we had gotten to see more, maybe I wouldn't have been as bothered by the lack of enemies. It just feels like you know they didn't really expand the setting very much. They didn't really you know expand the monster like the monsters were. Under it just feels like, in general, the whole game just has this sort of, I guess, almost underwhelmingness to it, is, all I, is what I'm getting at. Would the, I, don't, I don't think a relative lack of enemy variety types would have been nearly as annoying if I had gotten to wander around most of the city and seen a bunch of stuff. I think the fact that that just didn't happen is probably the most underwhelming for you. And the game as a whole, I really, really enjoyed, and I, I want to say... My overall experience was not underwhelming for me personally. Seeing the expansions that they did do, it was awesome. I mean, for the for the 40 to 50 hours that I played through this game, 
obviously there are things that I take issue with, but the game as a whole, I feel like was not underwhelming. But we're, we're, this is all wrap up territory. (laughs) Yeah, let's get back to the actual. So after proving ourselves and getting access, we're going to head up again and we're heading for the boardroom. Because we got to spy on that board meeting. Which I mentioned last week was incredibly annoying to me because the whole crawling through the vents, it was kind of, it was interesting to see the different people. Now, here's the other thing. One of the meetings you go over, they're like, oh, yeah, we have all these plans. Does anybody have any questions? Silence. He literally just told everybody in that room that they're going to have to come up with like 10 different plans for the rebuild of Sector 7, and not one person had a single question. Now, I've been in a lot of meetings, Andrew, and I can tell you that is so, like, not how it works. There would have been, every single person in that room probably would have had 10, 20 questions about what is it going to look like? Is it going to be the same? Is there? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? Is it going to be a direct copy and paste? Like, what are the floor plans? You know, how much space do we work out? What is our time frame? There's so many questions. And he literally just says, let's stop until Reeves get back. What? I was about to say, in general, I agree. But thinking about the fact that this is basically like a 2 a.m. meeting at this point and they've been there all day, I can understand everybody being like, I just want to go back to my desk and take a nap. But the fact is, they're not going to get to leave until they come up with a plan anyway. So they might as well just get it done. Right. So the more time they spend asking questions, the longer it's going to take them to get it done. And I'm sure is what people are thinking at that point. And I, I don't disagree with you, but I mean, like at, at that late at night, having been in calls and stuff at two, three in the morning and stuff, everybody just wants to get it over with so we can all go back to sleep. I don't disagree with you, but I've been on plenty of calls at two or three o'clock in the morning there are always going to be people with questions every single time. I've never gotten cleanly off a call without an extra half hour of somebody answering questions about different things that happened. What was the, what led to this? What was the root cause? What is the impacts? What are we going to do about it? What are, when are we going to plan these meetings? Who are the people that are involved? It's there. It's just, I got to be honest. It's just completely unrealistic. I don't care what time of day it is. There's going to be questions. But then you go over their meeting, and essentially, they're all talking about, you know, Hojo comes in and he says, yes, we've got her. And realistically, we have to understand that she may not always be here, so we need to consider procreation. And it's like, uh, what? You know what? That's terrible. The one thing I would give Hojo credit for, at least he had a better plan than... Let's have her procreate with the entirely different species. At least this time his proposal was, I bet we can find somebody in Soldier. You do, Andrew, you do not know that he wasn't thinking of Red 13. He just didn't bring it up. I mean, I guess, but at least as, as far as what he says, he at least says a slightly more reasonable proposition than let's have her be polite with Red 13. I mean, I agree. Don't get me wrong. Andrew, I totally agree with you, but forcing her to be polite with no, anybody I'm not, is I'm not, not cool. disputing that. I'm just my all I was saying was at least this one might theoretically actually result in some kind of procreation, unlike his last proposal. So, so my question is: 
in this game, he already knows that she's been traveling around with Cloud. He has to already know that she's reasonably close to him. Now, we do know that she didn't really give him any information because when he has... I Does he talk to her before he goes into the board meeting or is that after? I think that's after when he gets back. Well, she's incredibly stone-faced, so it kind of seems like that's what she is. I mean, I was going to say, I assume that he's been talking Why to her for a while. Why doesn't he just capture Cloud and be like, hey, you know, put him in the same room, whatever happens, happens. I mean, Cloud is... Hojo knows who Cloud is. He has to, considering isn't Hojo the one who made him? Uh, yeah. So he has to know who Cloud is. Okay, but to be fair, at this point, Palmer has already seen Sephiroth, because there's a little cutscene of that, which... No, I know, because Hojo specifically mentions when he leaves the meeting, wouldn't it be cool if I could get her to... Right, yeah, so he gets be polite specifically with on the thought of, oh, I could get Sephiroth, and nothing else matters now. But, Hojo, Sephiroth seems pretty mad at Shinra in general, so maybe, you know, let's go with someone a little bit more reasonable. Because I have to say, if Aerith was captured like she is... And they just brought Cloud in. I have to think Aerith would be okay with that. I mean, given her general reaction to him. I mean, I feel like I would. She'd probably be against it just on the principle of Shinra wants me to do this. So definitely not. I'm not saying Andrew. I'm not saying they're like, hey, you two procreate. I'm saying if they capture them both, put them in the same room, and just let nature take its course, it's gonna happen eventually. Okay. I mean, you're probably not wrong, but still. My question is. Who is Aerith's dad? So we know for a fact that she's half ancient, half human. Right. Which suggests her mom was polite with somebody maybe in Shinra's care? At, at least not? at least in the original game, no. Uh, um, so do we know who her dad is in the original game? I I mean, it's definitely at some point in like the extended, in the EU stuff, I don't remember if it comes up in the base game or not. Yeah, it was... Um, Hojo's former boss that he then murdered. Cool! In the original game, anyway, but it didn't happen in Midgar. He was... They were up in the north, like, near... Like, in in the Icicle Inn, so as you can imagine, it's a snowy place, but Ho- Hojo, uh... <laughs> That's a romantic spot. All, all Hojo has to do is just capture Cloud, transport them up to the snowy inn allow them to go outside every day to snowboard and everything, and just like the original Fantastic Four movie, well, not the original, <laughs> the one with Halle Berry, Chris Evans, listen, you know, you know that some snowy business is going to be taking place on that mountain. I ha- Just give me Hojo's job. I understand, well, I, I wouldn't say I have a complete grasp on romance, but I have a, a pretty good indication on setting the mood (laughs) i'm kind of you know loosely aware of how to do such things so get put me in literally anyone but hojo because he's just gonna be like keep her in the lab and you know hojo has a weird creep i will say they made him so creepy i mean he was already creepy but like yeah they 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 played it up really pretty much all the executives got, like, with the extra screen time that they got, got established as being way worse, or in Reeves' case, better than originally established. Oh, okay. well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Pretty By pretty much, what are you defining here? Okay, so, I mean, 
Heidegger, you know, openly talks about how he wants to kill a bunch of people so he can go back to war with Wu-Tai. Scarlet, we saw with the uh, explosion. I guess Palmer just is even more well, of an if, idiot. If, what about the explosion? Andrew, again, I explained that before. If you knew something was going to blow up, wouldn't you leave the room? She didn't say on her way out, hey, scientists, make sure you stay in here and I'll die. It's not her fault they didn't leave, Andrew. She didn't have that guard there going, make sure nobody leaves. None of that ever came out of her mouth, Andrew. You're putting an awful lot of onus on the fact that Scarlet is a terrible person, and I'm just not seeing it. Really? Yes, really. Okay. Oh, so Avalanche can blow up reactors and they're we've, not bad we've guys. Stat- we've, we've had the Avalanche conversation plenty of times. Yeah, so that's what I'm getting at, Andrew. You're saying Avalanche is just fine to blow up whatever they want. Scarlet is doing an experiment. Her scientists screw up and it blows up the room and you're saying she's that was, bad? That was definitely not the impression I got out of that cutscene, for what it's worth. All right, for what it's worth, you need to watch the cutscene again. I've seen it twice now, and from my perspective, yeah, she is clearly a, she's clearly full of herself. She's an executive of Shinra. What do you expect? But the words never came out of her mouth. Make sure nobody leaves. They have to die in this explosion. I, we also don't know that everybody in that room died, Andrew. I, I don't, because I don't understand why the bar- basis of whether or not she has to be a bad person is... Specifically that she explicitly says the words, make sure everyone dies. Okay, so where are you putting the onus that she's a bad person? Just because she's a Shinra exec? Well, she's the Shinra That's executive. That's not fair. She's the Shinra executive in charge of weapons development, who, you know, again, when we see her, is literally using a guard as a as a footrest and, like, the extremely dehumanizing it. She gets all smirky when he the experiment interviewed start- for that position. I'm sure he did. He clearly wanted this. If he didn't, he'd quit. Listen, all I'm saying, Andrew, is it seems to me like you're you're immediately painting her as a bad character. I didn't say she's and a bad I character. Like I said she's a unfair. bad person. A bad be, being a bad character and being a bad person are entirely unrelated. Objectively, metrics. I've seen Barrett, Jesse, Weggs, Biggs, Cloud, Tifa, and literally everyone else in the game, with the exception of Reeves. And Marlene do worse things than Scarlet, and she's a bad person. We we only see her for two cutscenes, and off of two cutscenes, you're immediately saying she's a bad person. I th- that just seems incredibly unfair. Just because she's the leader of weapons development, so is Tony Stark. Tony Stark was also a leader of weapons development, and look at what happened to him. Yeah, he, he was, was immediately captured, and then he became a good guy. How do you and know that in said, the next hey, game? Hey, we're not going to do weapons anymore because. That he, he realized he was being a bad person, just for the record, but... Yeah, he realized he was a bad person because of the situation that he was put in. How do you know that that doesn't happen to Scarlet, Andrew? Okay, if if, if that happens to Scarlet later on, then maybe, like, in uh, part six or whatever, then we can have a different discussion. I am just saying, objectively, from seeing two cutscenes of her, it seems really premature to say she is a bad person. I just don't, I just don't think it's fair, you know? I mean, I can't it, say that Palmer's a bad person because I, he's just obsessed with space. I, I said get Palmer it. was just more goofy. Okay, so Palmer is a goofball, but he's a Shinra exec. We've seen Scarlet do exactly one dehumanizing thing. How do you know that Palmer isn't using somebody for a chair? 
We don't know that. He spilled his tea all over the ground, and we don't even see him clean it up. He was going to put butter in his tea. I mean, arguably, that's way worse than anything that Scarlet has ever done. I almost commented about that earlier, but then I was like, someone else out there probably puts butter in their tea, and I don't want to. I don't want to make it that sound like you an issue, but that is really weird. I've never tried it. If you like it a lot, I don't like mayonnaise, and people like it. You know, I'm not going to say they're a bad person become of, because of it, but I will say. From my perspective, I mean, you literally you just put, said it made him a worse person than anything Scarlet did. Yes, because I wouldn't do it if 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 Palmer was out there eating a mayonnaise sandwich, he would be more evil than Scarlet to me. <laughs> or if he was eating pickles or something else, or if he was putting vinegar on his fries, they already ketchup already has enough vinegar. There is no. I have a very sensitive nose, Andrew, and vinegar makes me want. It makes me violent. I'm getting upset just thinking about it. All I have to say is, Palmer goes in there and immediately rats out Sethroff, who's literally just walking around the building. We don't know what he's up to. Everyone everyone clearly thinks Palmer is a fool, with the exception of Hojo, who's like, uh, yeah, Sethroff's totally out there. My my only point is, Andrew, I just feel like you're being unfair to Scarlet. That's all I'm really It's fascinating that Scarlet is the one that you care about. I wonder I like why Reeves. you didn't say. What do you mean you wonder why, Andrew? I have certain weaknesses in life. I know, and, and one of those happens to be powerful women. I can't, I, I can't help it. I know. <laughs> you know, I do. Ex- I, yeah, I wonder why. Was, uh, was that not clearly sarcastic enough? Of course, I know why. She, she is giving me some very serious Lulu vibes, and I'm loving it. Anyway. <laughs> Reeves is also a good person. I specifically said Reeves gets painted as an even better person because of the time you get to see him. So right now, 50% of the people at Shinra aren't all that bad. Palmer, Scarlet, Reeves. The other three are Heidegger, the president, and um, Hojo. The three of the worst subhumans that have ever existed. I'll 100% agree there. Heidegger just wants to kill, I have to assume, everything? Yeah. He was so on board to immediately drop that plate. Wasn't it his idea? I thought he was the one who proposed it. He might have. And I'll agree, the fact that Scarlet didn't poo-poo that plan, I mean, that is kind of a negative there, but she's just biding her time, you know? She's just biding that time. She's wait. This is not the fight to have. You know, when Shinra decides, let it blow up all of Midgar, because I... You know, that's how they get their Neo Midgar plan or something. I don't know. But now, you know, Rufus is going to be in charge and who knows what's going to happen. Well, and I was about to say, and speaking of that, it's around this time we also get a cutscene of the Turks and ha- hear Reno and Rude talk about how they, like, Reno rambles on about how he really doesn't, isn't sure how he feels about that whole plate dropping thing. Yeah, it's almost as if you shouldn't have done it in the first place. And then, I mean, Rude comes, he has a, a good point ish and then he says if we didn't do it they were just going to call somebody else to okay but by that point we already would have won so calling somebody else to do it would not have worked i mean i don't know about that unless you're gonna have guards up there literally like 24 7 at that point who can fight off shooting helicopters and stuff i mean considering the fact that we're talking about the lives of thousands of people yeah i can imagine all of those people would be fighting against shinra to protect that plate sure but i guess what i mean is i like i 
if if Shinra wanted it to come down, I don't think there was any stopping them in the long run. It, you might have stopped an individual time, and then people would have evacuated. But like, we stopped them if it wasn't for the the whispers, the, yeah. the, the whispers, because that's what we know them as now. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we, we find that out here very shortly, and so we stopped them. Like, I I, I just it's not impossible. But Reno immediately agrees with me because he's like, yeah, I'm not so sure that's true. Because then we weren't the ones doing it. And I'm like, yeah, all those lives are on your hands. Good job, guys. Specifically rude because Reno was essentially dead at that point, you know, in a coma or whatever. I mean, I know he wasn't. I know he was just knocked out, but he couldn't move. He literally didn't drop the plate. As opposed to the original game where it was him. Yeah. I know that they're going to give him a redemption arc, and it's just going to be frustrating when it happens. That's a problem with a lot of redemption arcs in most media anyway, because that tends to be how it goes, is they'll do some, like, really heinous things, but then, you know, they'll do, like, one good thing in the clutch, and it'll act like it's, this makes up for everything. And that is that is a problem that, that stories in general frequently fall into, that I don't disagree is not good. And it's just like, oh, well, we could just forgive them for for everything that they've done just because. Like, what? How? Especially, I really hope they don't actually join the party later, but if anyone in our group actually works in tandem with them at the end of the game in the original, I would be like, are, are, are you absolutely kidding me? Uh, especially given Wedge, Biggs, and Jesse are dead. You're just going to bear it. You're going to immediately forgive that. These people that you've known for, I, I don't know, like at least, you know, two or three years while you were doing all this stuff, because Jesse even makes it sound like they had been doing this for several years. Not necessarily, obviously not to this extent, but they had known Barrett for a while and he kind of helped them out and brought everybody together. So if we end up working with them later, it's like, oh, are you kidding me? So after the board meeting and the little scene with the the Turks where saying mentions that he got they got a call from the vice president and then it kind of cuts away they go or we get to go rather and follow Hojo out of the meeting just like in the original game you follow him out of the conference room and back to his lab and from here this is when we get to meet red 13 we get to see Aerith Hojo summons a big monster and runs away. All of this plays out very similar to the original game. Which is so perfect because that big monster kept generating little monsters. And this is one of those sections where I was just so happy. I'm like, thank you. Magic, 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 magic. I decimated this thing. I was using Fireaga after Fireaga. And it just, you know... There's no way Hojo would have gotten away with as fast as I took this thing out. I mean, literally all he does is walk into an elevator. Like, I don't think it takes him very long at that point. Well, sorry, Andrew. You know, it's one of those few times in this game where I do extremely well and you just got to gloss no, over I it. I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying I don't think he's not going to get away because he, all he literally all he does is walk into an elevator. <laughs> Okay, well, since my accomplishments need nothing, let's just continue along. Uh, you're right, that's exactly what I was saying. Good job. I mean, how else was I supposed to take that? Sir? I mean, the way that I explained and then re-explained for you? 
which was it was essentially nothing because he got on an elevator. So there's it doesn't even matter that you killed him quickly. No, I'm just saying I, there would be no way for him to not get away because it takes like five seconds to do that. Well, I killed it in five seconds. So. Oh, okay. Well, I stand corrected then that you killed it in five seconds. 4.9 seconds. Okay. You know, if I could have thrown my sword and hit that button, I would have gotten him. He wouldn't have escaped. Okay. I stand corrected then. Anyway, so you get Red 13, but he doesn't actually join the party. He is just, a, he just follows you guys around. Which is so disappointing. I kind of expected it, honestly, because again... He's coming in so late in the game that I figured they probably weren't going to give give him a bunch of stuff. I mean, I, I don't disagree that I was disappointed, but that's basically how I had always expected it was going to go. I understand that they don't have to give him a whole bunch of different weapons or anything like that or or whatever, but to just not even al- not even allow you to add him to your party and switch him out for whoever you want, <sighs> come on. Because it could have been like a special thing where at the end of the game, it's like, ooh, you happen to have him with you or whatever. You know, when you're replaying through some of the chapters, you could maybe do a couple of things where you have him in. I don't know. It it, it was just, I was kind of sitting there like, are you, come on. Are you kidding me? Anyway, it's around this point that you get another message from the mayor and he has a guest now and it's Wedge who has apparently recovered. So that was cool. And so it would seem. At least in the video, because you find out pretty much immediately after that that he hasn't really recovered. Because he almost immediately doubles over in pain. Yes. But he's recovered enough that he showed up. But yeah, I mean, like the point... Well, I guess when I say by recovered, he regained consciousness and is apparently no longer essentially dead. (laughs) But, you know, this is the Final Fantasy universe, so sleeping in a bed for a few hours completely heals you. So I guess I can understand how he's better already. (laughs) And I will say, it was really nice to see Wedge at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was excited because, although I do remember you you complaining that if Wedge was the only one who survived, you were going to be even more mad than if none of them survived. I mean, I am a little bit perturbed. I, I, I will not disagree that it is annoying that they only saved Wedge, especially after they made it clearly seem like he died. And then they're like, oh, guess what? He's not actually dead. Yeah, the, they the clearly switch showed was Jesse annoying. and Biggs dying, but where are they? We don't see them sitting in the wreckage somewhere. Yeah, the, the bait and switch on Wedge was was annoying, but I mean, I'm glad he's okay or you know alive at least. But I don't disagree that faking us out about all that. Although we had already, I mean, we already knew he was alive from from saving him, so that part of it was already done. But it was still a little weird. Well, we didn't know that he was going to make it through. No, but I mean, like it we was already... very possible that he could catch pneumonia or something and just and just die anyway. Or the mysterious figures would go in and kill him because you know I that's what I don't that's what I really don't understand about the mysterious figures is it's a plot device that they've decided to use or, or sorry the whispers because immediately after you. Well, we're not there yet, so I, I won't get to that. I, I won't go into this just yet. I'll go into it once we, you know, actually get Red 13 and, and, and Aerith. Because before you get Red 13 and Aerith, you actually have to go through this section where you have to just do mini bosses. And that whole puzzle section where you had to go in and open different rooms to the that's lab. That's way after you get Red 13 and Aerith, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, because that's chapter 17. That's like all of chapter 17 is going through that lab. 
Oh, geez. Well, I'm like really confused. And well, regardless, then, okay, so the whispers. We find out in well, this section that. Not quite yet, because we go meet. We go run into Sephiroth and meet Siege Nova, and then that happens. Oh, well, <laughs> meeting Wedge was. Um, Sephiroth was before you met Wedge, was so it? I thought we were just. Yeah. Okay. I thought because it happened before you got on the you elevator. You wake up in her room. After the whole Sephiroth thing. I thought we were just gliding past it. Oh, no. I th- honestly thought that that happened before you got on the elevator. No, no, no. So, once you... So, you go around the lab and get go follow Hojo through the elevator. And Cloud has one of his headaches. Yeah. And he's, he sort of sees Sephiroth. And then he fall, he doubles over as soon as he gets to the elevator. And, you know, he everyone is... Yells cloud specifically teeth red thirteen and Barrett definitely do not care about cloud. <laughs> it's only Tifa and Aerith are like cloud. I guess red thirteen and Barrett kind of knew that they were just going to have it handled anyway. Like ah, oh, they got this taken care of. He's having another one of his well, and red thirteen also just just met him, so he's like, I don't know what I have to do about this guy. It's just it's just. Is this bad? Does he just do this? I don't know. <laughs> but I want to point out because I've mentioned it several times before. So Eric just has superpowers now because right when, as soon as Red 13 escapes, he goes and tries to kill Hojo. And as soon as he realizes that doesn't happen, he goes back through the elevator and it looks like he's very clearly about to attack your team. And then she kind of stands there. She looks at him and then like uses some mystical power to talk to him or whatever. And then she's like, oh yeah, he's a good one. He's on our side. Yeah. And honestly, like this moment, Back when we were talking about Marlene being special, I'm pretty sure Aerith just did the same thing to her. And that's why Marlene was suddenly just okay with her. And I think what she's actually doing, based on what we understand at this point, is essentially like showing them the timeline or whatever so they see like, oh yeah, I've met you before or whatever, and they're okay with it. Just like with Red 13, it's, oh yeah, I guess I go with you guys. Cool. I still disagree with you on the Marlene thing, and we're not going to get to it today because I don't know if you missed something at the very end of the game, but something very specifically happens with her that leads me to believe that she is special. No, I know what you're talking about. And I mean, you could definitely say I, I, I can, I can see what's coming from. I, I just got the impression that that was supposed to be Eric doing the same thing. Cause it's a very similar reaction. So Aerith can and- just suddenly telepathically talk to everyone on the planet. Why wouldn't she just immediately tell everybody, Hey, the planet I am the planet speaking, and I'm telling you that Shinra is evil. Because even when you officially meet Era, she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, the real enemy is Sephiroth. Like, he's super bad news. He's not, like, he's not even supposed to exist anymore. This is super not good. Because this is where it kicks off the whole, yeah, Shinra is basically second fiddle to the real super bad guy. Yeah, when you, once you catch up and see, you get on the elevator after the Red 13 thing, Go up to the top, see Genova, and see Sephiroth, and then Cloud passes out again, and then when you wake up, that's when Aerith tells you all these things. But all I'm saying is, it does not make it at all... If Aerith can talk to the planet, and she can only do that and, and like in certain sections or whatever, and that's why she was always doing her flower garden stuff, and, and to suddenly becoming like super powerful and being able to telepathically connect to a, a, a person you know, hundreds of miles away, potentially. I'm just saying that that's an awful lot of stuff that they've just suddenly decided to give to Aerith. 
if Marlene isn't special, I'm going to be really surprised. And apparently Aerith is some super, I mean, apparently agents are, 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 are like Superman, where they can just suddenly do whatever they need to do. I, we, we mentioned it enough. We might as well just say it. At the very, very end of the game, Marlene clearly knows that everything has worked out and that they're fine and that she's going to see her dad again, but it's probably not going to be for a while. And why on earth would Marlene know that? It does not make it clear that Aerith told her that either. So all I'm saying is it kind of seems like Marlene is also special. And maybe they'll that's the direction they'll go with. I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. I mean, they've put in... Again, with this game, they've beaten you over the head with it. There's so many times where it, it's... I get the first time Aerith did it, she just kind of like superheroes and says Marlene's fine. But there are definitely other sections where Marlene should not have shown up, and she definitely did. I'm just saying it feels like there's a little bit more going on with her than, than what meets the eye. She's like a transformer. She's <laughs> more than meets the eye. But yeah, so apparently Aerith just has superpowers now. Which, I mean, cool, but could you use those superpowers in a battle to maybe, you know, stop things from attacking us? Because that would be great. Like, all of the drakes that come by, can you just telepathically tell them to, you know, sit down on the floor so I can wail on them for a minute? Like, where are these, where were these superpowers before, Aerith? I'd really like to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like any of those things... There's never going to be a good way to reveal it, which is part of the problem of that stuff, because it inevitably is going to introduce those questions. Or they could have just, you know, like the original game, not suddenly turned her into a superhero. Having the stating that they have the ability to commune with a planet and suddenly having telepathic powers to just do whatever you want with it seems like a huge stretch. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing and missing that. And that existed in the in, in the original game. I'm just saying, like, if it's if if she just knew how to do this the whole time and didn't use it, that's a little. Why didn't you use this before, or why weren't you honest about it? We ha everybody here has magic powers through materia anyway. Yeah, but the thing about it, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was originally like listed as a thing in like the instruction book, you know, back when they gave you character profiles and stuff that Aerith had abilities because they didn't mind giving you spoilers in the instruction books then. But I don't think it's ever anything that actually comes up in the game other than there are a couple times where Cloud like dreams and she seems to talk to him in, in the dream. So, I mean, I guess there's that, but I don't think we saw this specific trait happening in the original game. But I'm pretty sure it was always intended to be the case because I think that I, I seem to remember reading something about that in like director interviews and stuff. I just don't get why you wouldn't bust that out more often. Well, can't make things too easy, I guess. <laughs> sure. I mean, it, it it clearly doesn't work on random people, with the exception of children. Or unless, how do we know? Okay, alternate theory, Aerith's evil the entire time, and she's just, how do we know that she isn't secretly manipulating everybody? To, to maybe she brought everyone together in the first place because she knew she needed to have a team of people to destroy Sethroth because he's a super bad guy. So she's just like, Aerith is secretly manipulating everyone from the start. She is like the ultimate evil. She's basically the planet's defense system. Maybe she, maybe she controls these whispers since she knew what they were the entire time and never said anything about it and made it look like that they were attacking her for reasons. 
I think the idea is supposed to be that she like realizes some of this stuff while she's in the, the Shinra headquarters. I don't think it's handled. I don't think it's explained well, but I'm pretty sure the idea is supposed to be that she's like awakening to her abilities. It's also not super explained well that she's been manipulating people this whole time. We don't know. We have no idea. Andrew, there is no proof that that doesn't happen. She could have been manipulating everybody. You know, she's been living in the Sector 5 slums, making her flowers, and communing with the planet for a decade at this point. She's been sowing the seeds of evil this entire time. Well, I guess, sort of, she's doing it for good, but manipulating people is bad, Andrew. We do, there's no evidence you can present to me that she isn't doing this. Okay, so, to sum up this episode, in Chris's opinion, Scarlet is a good person and Aerith is evil. <laughs> I just don't understand why you immediately think she's a bad person. Why is it okay for me to think that that Scarlet could potentially have a good fiber in her in her body, but it's completely that is very different from what you've been saying before. Let's be clear. But it's completely unacceptable for Eric to potentially be a manipulator this whole time. I, I didn't say it was unacceptable to say that. I'm just finding it amusing. That you just said to sum it up. And you said it very sarcastically, which implies that you disagree with me. You said, to sum it up, Scarlet is a good person and Aerith is evil. Tone, sir, you cannot you cannot deny that there was not sarcasm in your voice. Okay, so are you going... Okay, so rather than giving you the out of I'm kidding, you're, you're doubling down on no, I absolutely 100% mean this. Is that the route you're going to take? What? Yeah, Andrew... We don't know that Scarlet can't doesn't have the capacity to be a good person. We don't know that because we barely get to see her in this game. I've seen a lot of Aerith, and I've seen a lot of her suddenly having superpowers and not telling anybody about it. And Marlene clearly didn't want to go with her, and she was very apprehensive about it, and then suddenly, oh, yep, it's fine. Red 13 was about to attack everybody, and she walks up and does her, you know, crazy planet magic, and suddenly he's fine. All I've seen her do is manipulate people to get what she wants. Just saying. It's a possibility that she... I'm not saying that Aerith is evil. All I'm saying is she, just like Avalanche, is doing some bad things for a good reason. She knows that Sethiroth is the ultimate evil and Shinra doesn't even matter. That's my favorite part. That is my favorite part about this entire game. Where Aerith just flat out says... Shinra doesn't even matter. They might as well be trash as far as I'm concerned. Sethiroth is the real evil. That section right there solidified for me that this is the greatest game in the history of everything. Because just like I've been saying this whole time, Shinra sucks. Sethiroth is the real evil. Aerith is on my side. And she's recruiting a team. Uh, she An A-team, if you were. She is recruiting a team to take down the real evil which is Sethiroth. Okay. That's, to me, that is clearly what is going on. Okay. I mean, except for, you know, they're, I mean, she does give people an opportunity. She does give people an out later. You know, whatever. Well, I'm just going to skip past that for now. I'm just saying. You know, Aerith is definitely calming people down. She's using, she's using her calm magic to be like, listen, just come with me and do whatever and we'll figure it out later. Maybe she just successfully knew that he had been under the effect of the Berserk spell and cast it again, which cancels it out. That must be it. Where where are you getting information that he was under some Berserk spell? I'm 
not at all. I just that's how the Berserk spell works in those games. <laughs> like, I don't even think Berserk wait. is in this game. It is. There's an angry sim- Berserk is in the game. There's actually a a uh, equipment that you can start. Why you would want to do this, I don't know. But you can start the battle with a Berserk spell. Well, because Berserk makes your physical attacks go higher. So, like, if you don't want to use skills and stuff, you can use Berserk and you'll do more damage. Oh, okay. So that's something if you were playing on, like, classic mode and you didn't really... So that's what I should have done when I was doing my level up. I should have went into classic mode, should have gave everybody Berserk and just let them go nuts on everyone. There you go. Real missed opportunity, you know. But now, you know, I know what to do in the future. If I, if I ever decide to play this game again, I mean, which I probably won't. Who has time for that? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I've already experienced the game. Why would I? I am not the kind of guy who has time to go back and experience it on hard, especially considering I had trouble with a lot of things in normal. I'm clearly just not as good at video games as I used to be, which I can... <laughs> I understand that. It is what it is. See, it's interesting. I'm just... Cause what? I, I was going to say... It's interesting because, I mean, I definitely agree that I'm not as good at video games in terms of, like, the reaction speed and stuff like that, which was, you know, kind of an issue as far as this game goes. But I, I was actually just recently having a conversation. I'm pretty sure it was on the the VGCTC Discord about how I feel like I'm better overall because, like, I'm better able to make, like, good decisions and not just, like, button mash like I did as a kid when I didn't really understand what I was doing. I agree with you there. I definitely have way more strategy. I was just going to say, I feel like, at least for me, the improvement in strategy and stuff like that has made up for whatever loss of, you know, dexterity and reaction time and stuff, which, yeah, for sure, I've lost because that's what happens as you get older. You're not even that much older. Like, once you get out of your 20s, it's all downhill as far as that stuff goes. And so, but I do feel like, at least in my case, the... But that's also part of why, like, as I've gotten older, I've come to like things like RPGs and turn-based stuff even more, because then I don't have to worry about the reaction stuff. I just get to think about what I want to do. Well, and I, I will agree with you there. From my perspective, I didn't have the insane want to constantly optimize every single thing that I was doing. That didn't exist when I was a kid. I just kind of did whatever I wanted. But... I will say there are times where I want to just button mash or whatever, and I just, I'm just not great at it anymore. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I still bust out the Dynasty Warriors and stuff every once in a while, and at least in those cases, I can still get away with button mashing because those games, I love those games, but they are hardly highly strategic. <laughs> uh, but, like, anything that requires more, like, fighting games, like a Street Fighter or something, oh, my God, I am absolute trash at that. Like, I never was great, but... Trying to play it now is just, like, depressingly bad. Because I don't have the reflexes or the, like, dexterity in my fingers to do those sort of things anymore. Yeah, I I never, ever, like, I am never going to bust out a fatality or anything like that. And I just understand that. Until they gave you the X button to do fatality. Because I just do not have the time. And I didn't as a kid. I'm like, I do not care to bust in these... Up, up, down, down, B-A, B-A, select, start, whatever. That was the Konami code. Yeah, I know exactly what it is, Andrew. That's why I said it. <laughs> okay. I am not going to do that crap because I don't know what Scorpion's fatality is. I'm sure somebody out there can immediately bust it off like, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is because I just never cared to learn it. 
I'm like, I can destroy everybody. If I've won the fight, I've won the fight. I don't care to do some super cool fatality. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the person who will like find one or two moves that I can figure out how to do that aren't super complicated. And just that's going to be what I'm going to do now. And that's it. Oh, so you're the guy who just spams same move. I mean, that's basically like throw a couple regular punches to do like the one move I know how to do. Yeah, for sure. That's why I love Smash Brothers because all the controls are really easy. <laughs> I just I've never honestly I've never been a huge I've never been a huge fighting game guy in general. But none of this has anything to do with Final <laughs> Fantasy, yeah. so getting so, back on track. So at this point, once, no, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say once you once you come to terms with the fact that it's it's possible that Aerith may be up to some mischief, you continue on and that's that is when you get the you find out that Wedge is still alive and he's actually with the mayor because Wedge is in there. He's he's told you that the other avalanche has showed up. And he is actually going to help them essentially get the mayor out because, of course, they need to get him out because they're definitely going to kill him. Yeah. As soon as Shinra finds out that that he did these things, he's he's done. But this is another thing that I, I, I take issue with. Why does the Whispers not do anything about the fact that the other avalanche is showing up? Because now Red 13 just straight up tells us, yeah, they're in a sense fate. Yeah, and he even says, yeah, I learned all these things when Aerith touched me. I just suddenly knew a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, it was just something left over. And if Aerith just happens to know all this stuff, then why isn't she telling us? Aerith literally has a chance to say something, and she just doesn't. And so then Red 13's like, oh yeah, by the way, I know what they are, they're whispers. Yeah, and it's exactly what we had been saying. It's literally like the planet trying to enforce fate. And again... Why is Aerith not the one telling us this? Because they immediately ask, Red 13, how do you know that? Oh, I figured it out from Aerith. Yeah, when she touched me, I got all this information. So I've seen Aerith do more nefarious things in the course of this game than Scarlet, all I'm saying. So at this point, we're trapped in Hojo's lab. The drum, as he calls it, his like three-story experiment chamber. So you're right. Now we get to the point where we're going through and solving that puzzle because I I was <laughs> I thought that I was really confused. <laughs> yeah, so very clearly what's, at this point. What's um interesting about this is you split the party. You don't have a choice. It's Aerith and Tifa are in one group and then Barrett and Cloud and then Red 13 kind of winds up with both groups. Yeah, he kind of goes back and forth. First he's with Barrett and Cloud. Uh it, well, actually first he's with Cloud. Yeah, and then Cloud, Cloud syncs up with Barrett. Right, and then you find Aerith and Tifa, but they're separated by a wall, and Red, which is admittedly very cool, can like run along the walls, and that's how he gets back and forth between the two groups. And, and also then, operates switches and stuff by doing that. Yes, w- which was really cool, and that's why I kind of like that whole puzzle section. It was... I was just going to say, I feel like it went on a little too long, but I like it was, it was neat, and it was nice to get to... Like, it, it was fun and having Red run around and stuff, but I did kind of feel like you could probably have cut this in half. This section, to me, personally, solidified the fact that I just don't think... When we were separated and we had to just use Tifa and Aerith, the Tifa and Aerith parts, for me, was so much more difficult than Cloud and Barrett. And that's only because I felt like Tifa was really the only person attacking anything. Because every single time, Aerith attacks are just so slow. 
maybe I'm just using her wrong or I've got the wrong weapon or what. I don't know. I wish someone would correct me and tell me how to actually play as Aerith because I've had such a difficult time. Well, I was going to say, you do know that like if you hold down square, it's like Barrett and she keeps going, right? I know that, okay. but her attacks are so slow. It's not like Barrett where he's just shooting a machine gun. She does one wave of the staff, shoots out one bolt, which does maybe 50 damage, and then a second later does another wave. It, it Her attacks are so slow in comparison to Barrett's. Yeah, but then Barrett's bullets only do like five damage. I understand that, but it just... I don't know. To me, it just feels when I can punch something for an immediate 150 damage, like six times in a row. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with you. That I thought Aerith was the least enjoyable to play as in terms of how she worked. But I guess I just didn't feel like it was as difficult as you as you make it sound. I don't disagree, though, that the Aerith and Tifa parts were harder. I am just saying my exp in my experience, it was so frustrating when I was forced to play as Aerith. And and the only thing and the only thing that I'm going to say on that piece is instead of you could have given her a ranged unlike Barrett who was essentially only ranged she could have been range if you were out of range or something or she could have slapped them with magic damage from her staff if I could have walked up to something and done like a quick staff hit because I can tell you I took. Karate, Andrew, you can do a lot of damage really quickly with a staff. Attacks do not have to be as slow as they were for Aerith. And I get that she's probably not, that, that she hasn't trained her whole life like Tifa, Tifa has, and she's not going to be as fast as Tifa. But with a staff, she could have been a half range, half melee character. And I feel like she would have played vastly different than just another Barrett but even slower. Because even Barrett, he had his overcharge where he does a massive amount of damage right away. Tempest was so... First of all, you had to hold it down, and then you had to release it, and there was a non-zero chance that it could miss. Unlike Barrett's, whose his overcharge hit everything, from my perspective, guaranteed... And if that thing died, he immediately went to the next enemy. Again, not something that Tempest does. The same thing with her Ray of Judgment. If she misses the enemy, she just misses, period, and the attack just misses. Where if Barrett, if you use maximum overdrive or maximum firepower... Maximum fury. He, he goes from one enemy to the other immediately. When I was going through that section with those bees or whatever they were called... He would kill an entire section of those just with one special. But Ray of Judgment takes two bars, and if you miss, you just miss. And unless the enemy just happens to walk into it again, which why would they do that? They're not going to get hit. Aerith, in my opinion, is just so unbelievably frustrating to play as. And Tifa is incredibly quick, but neither of them, like, it's... it's Tifa has to be up close, and when Aerith attacks so slowly, if Tifa dies, I'm essentially screwed, because I can't get Aerith's ATB bar up fast enough to bring Tifa back. This section was, was way harder for me than I, I feel like it should have been. 
And that's the exact same issue I had with Aerith before, is her attacks were just so slow that Cloud had to do almost all of the work. And I just don't understand why her attacks were so slow when she uses a staff. Her her character in general has been like not her her you know character story or anything like that. Just her play style was very underwhelming as far as I'm concerned. Every time I had to play as Aerith, I was disappointed. Because I'm just sitting there thinking there are so many other ways they could have done this to have her not be such a slow character. Because even dodging and stuff, she's slow. She's basically Barrett, but worse. And the only upside is she does magic so she can kill one enemy type a little bit faster than everybody else. Yeah. Like I said, I, 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 my opinion isn't that strong, but I don't disagree. Like I said, that Aerith is the least satisfying character to play as. So I'm there with you, just maybe not to the same level. But because and, and the other problem I had is when you were fighting that whole buzzsaw thing, you got to, I absolutely annihilated annihilated it, and then I was put into the section with Tifa and Aerith. If you're not in control of the AI, why do they not get out of the way of those attacks? Because their section was so unbelievably easy if you just got out of the way. I found myself more often than not switching between one of the two characters only so that way I could just move out of the way of their attacks. Because if that buzzsaw hit you, it was almost it was basically a one-hit kill. If it hit you twice, you were definitely unconscious. Like, there's no coming back from that. And it's immune, so even if you're trying to build your ATB bar, you can't do it. So you can't even bring somebody back until after it's already left its stage where you can actually attack it. That boss fight was really frustrating when I had to deal with it's the whole mechanics of the situation. I died the first time, and then I got infuriatingly angry because I had to start all the way over back with, including the movie, of it. I basically had to spend an extra like 10 to 20 minutes of my time doing Barrett and Cloud stuff again, watching the whole movie of it going in there again, and there's no skip. I know this because I tried so hard to skip. That boss section was was infuriating. There's, I, I can tell you for the rest of the game, there are several boss sections that were incredibly infuriating, not just because of the difficulty, but because of apparently just checkpoints are non-existent in this game when you're fighting a boss that has multiple sections. To yeah, the point that, that where part doesn't surprise me, but... It is unbelievably nerve-wracking when you're getting close to a boss and, like, everybody is low health. Because it's like, oh, this thing is transformed, like, six times. I'm going to have to restart everything? Anyway, there's not a whole lot of plot that happens in this section other than Hojo is just, like, taunting you and testing you or, what, or whatever and sending these things after you and watching what you do. Except his his he has this assistant that's like a brain or something that suddenly has telekinetic powers. Like, whoa! Oh yeah, his little like robot thing. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I feel like you're you're. I I, I want to say I feel like your previous assessment assessment of the enemies feeling underwhelming. I I have to disagree with because it feels to me like they spent every single boss in this game has been unique. It almost feels like a Persona boss, where 
every single boss is different and you have to figure out every single boss's thing in order to beat it. It wasn't as specific as like the Persona stuff is, but I do feel like every single boss was unique and every single boss had different elements to it. And I want to give them credit for that, that I don't feel like we were giving them credit for before, which is why I'm saying in the arena, if you did like a boss rush where you got to see all those unique capabilities of each boss, I feel like it would have been way different and it would have felt felt like a more enjoyable experience overall. Because when I think back of all the bosses and the different stuff that you had to do in order to get past them, I, I liked it. I won't disagree. The bosses had a fairly... Other than, I think there were a couple that were repeats, but it was relatively minimal. Certainly not like the regular enemies, but yes, you're right. I To, to give credit where it's due, the boss fights had a lot more variety to them. Because like we, we kind of skipped over the ghost thing, but that ghost thing, the entire fight was constantly switching between whether you can hit it with magic and whether you can hit it with physical. And while we had seen some enemies do that, we never saw it on the scale of a boss. And then to immediately fight another boss where there are sections, you literally have to just wait for the right time to attack it because it would just throw out electricity and then just go around the, the map Dynasty Warrior style as if it's taking out like hundreds of thousands of dudes. And then you just have to wait till it gets tired or whatever and then we'll run up and wail on it. I that That's... I just want to say the bosses in general have all felt very unique, especially going into this final section of the game because almost every single boss was different. And this last section of the game, like this whole chapter after the Hojo stuff, it just goes off. And I I had so much fun from here on out in this game that I probably had in the entire game leading up to this. The Shinra as as a whole felt incredibly underwhelming for me, but the sections coming up, I had so much fun and so much things were so much different. And even though there was a lot of stresses and everything like that, I had a lot of fun. This whole boss section where it's just like one boss after another. I mean, yeah, I have my complaints about, you know, this boss was frustrating or this section was frustrating, but it was still so much fun. I have a little disagreement with like the very very end of the game but for the most part whoa 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 andrew i super disagree with that statement when it comes to the very end of the game okay well we'll get to that when we get to that but i was about to say for the most part i agree with you that i thought a lot of the bosses honestly i i didn't find the shinra section terribly underwhelming i that i liked the whole part of it generally i mean there were little bits and pieces here and there i wasn't sure like i said i feel like the Split the party section could have been about half as long. Um, but in general, I thought that it was pretty solid. But that split the party section was actually what I was looking for. Because that's the stuff that happened in the original game. That that kind of stuff right there is what I felt like the Shinra section was missing before. I will agree with you. I did feel like it ran on a little too long. Too, too long. But a- after this section going forward, I just had an, an absolute blast. In Shinra. Yeah, like I said, I mean, a lot of the boss fights and stuff were very, very solid. And yeah, like the going into the finale, from a gameplay perspective, most of it was very, very solid at this point. Going for, like, it, it went out well. But I think next time we're going to focus on said boss rush. Yeah. It, because that's really what it felt like. And 
next episode's probably going to be it for for this series because we're coming up at, at, at the end now. We're getting ready to head to the president's office. Like this is it. We're 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 right at the in the last bits. Oh, I can't believe I didn't mention this, Andrew. Setharov comes shows up and everyone's like, "Whoa!" And Cloud's like, "You can actually see him this time." He he, he looks back and he, he's like, um, "Keanu Reeves from." <laughs> Like from the Matrix, the Bill whoa. and Ted's Excellent oh, Adventure. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking He's about. Like, whoa, dude, you can actually see him this time. Like, it's not just me. <laughs> and then they're like, "Yeah, Cloud, are you insane?" He's there's definitely a dude standing there, and he's like Sethroth, and Aerith is like Sethroth, and then everyone else is like, "Who's that guy?" And then he slashes his sword, and that's, you know, we have to get back up there. And, oh, yeah, it turns out we we get back up to that section, and he's stolen Genova, because we all knew he was going to do that anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't believe I didn't even mention that. I talked about how amazing Sethroth is, and Eris specifically brings it up about how awesomely cool Sethroth is as compared to Shinra. And then I just glossed over it. Oh, I did everybody did in, in Injustice right here. <laughs> I'm going to think about what I've done, and I'm going to bring that level of excitement into the next section, because every step we take from here just gets us closer to more Sethroth content. Yeah, it's true. Which is in another game, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, next episode's probably going to about do it for, for the Final Fantasy VII remake. We're coming right up on the end here, and then we'll do um, some analysis and discussion, but I don't think the rest of the game is going to take us a full episode, so that the analysis discussion will probably happen at the end of that next episode. As always, you can reach us via Twitter, or on our Discord, or via email, and I will include the contact information in the episode description. I feel like Scarlet's getting a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs>